Happy New Year, Creighton fans. Uh, this is Matt DeMarinas here, um, bringing you another Blue Jay Beat postgame show tonight, uh, or this afternoon. Yeah, it's still afternoon. I am joined, pleased to be joined by um, one of the best around, uh, Chevelle Santasi of, is it develop or do you, do you guys go acronym style? Like how does it's that? It's develop. Yeah, you it's said develop. Develop. Got you. Yeah. Yeah, of develop basketball right now, um, doing her thing, helping the, the youth in the community but a former player, former point guard, and former coach at Creighton. Um, great mind for the game. Love picking her brain. Uh, she's here to help me break down Creighton's 75-69 double overtime thriller, maybe. We'll, we'll call it a thriller, right? It was exciting. We just we, we were figuring out. Very how to exciting, it. yeah. Thriller of a game against Marquette. Puts the Jays at 2-0 in Big East play, 10-3 overall. Um Another one, another game like Chev where, like, I feel like, I don't know, you you probably know as a coach and a player, you love to, uh, like, learn and get better, but you also like to win in the process, right? So you don't ever apologize for having a result go your way because it's hard to do. You know, you can play to lose. I think this is a game where the Jays can learn a lot from what they put on film today, but they can also feel good about going home because they got the dub on the road. Absolutely. Yeah, especially when you have the young kids that they do who are um, getting the minutes that they're getting. Like you, you can't there. You can't put a value on that. Um, so just the experience of being up seventeen at one point. Yeah. Getting getting down, having to put you know be in that timeout where uh, you need a three pointer, you need a basket. Um, you just can't replicate those those opportunities in a practice, no matter what you do. So um, the emotions that are, are attached to it, all that, those are all good um, for the end of the season, conference tournament, NCAA, all that. So, um, yeah, you can't put a value on that stuff. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think – I don't know. There, there's also something to be said about this team when the moments get tough because they have – I think they've played pretty well in those moments. I mean – when the game is, you know, there's not a lot of flow to it. It's a little bit ugly. Like there, neither team is really stre- putting together stretches of good possessions after a good possession. Um, you know, normally that's not a game, historically speaking, that you know Creighton feels super comfortable uh, pulling out. Right? Like those yeah. are the games where it's like advantage opponent. If we can make this game as ugly as possible, um, slow the thing down. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and, and even though Marquette would probably have looked back on this and feel like they had chances to win that game, especially in the first overtime, um, there's just something about the way Creighton just toughens up when it's time to yeah. toughen up. I mean, that you know, I, I imagine that the the time off because they were they had a 15 day break uh, through no fault of their own. I mean, they were they were fine from a COVID standpoint, but with the Christmas break and everything. And then Georgetown and DePaul going on pauses, they hadn't played since that Villanova game. And I think, you know, fatigue was a little bit of a factor in the second half. Uh, you just saw the offense kind of mm-hmm. through nothing that really Marquette was doing. The offense just kind of stagnated. Like there was, yep. there wasn't a whole lot of weak side movement. Uh, a lot, all, all the meaningful kind of movement in the offense came at the point of attack and, Yep. That just allows a defense to kind of load to you, right? So absolutely, yeah. There, there was some of that in that regard, but but man, when it got when it's like, hey, we got to make a play here, or we're gonna go, we're gonna lose. Like they made plays, you know. That's I know, and it's that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I agree. I, that's what I felt too. I felt like it got really stagnant. 
Um, if like the way that I like to think about it is when you when you run an offense, you like for there to be in inside to outside activity, mm. you know, um, something to make them make sure that the defense's heads are turning. Um, but if you watch, you know, quite a few possessions, it felt like they were doing the weave at the top and everything was just very exterior mm. um, outside the three. Um, so non-threatening movement, basically. Um, so, but to your point, like, even with that being the case, they did that. They, there was one possession that that happened, I think. And I think it's the same possession that Nimhart got, uh, a pull-up jumper to the, the left wing. It was like a 15 footer. It was like a little step back, Yeah. you know, and he drills that after, after, you know, very light movement or activity on the offensive end for, for most of the possession, um, and that's the big difference, man. Like you, you have, you're going to have that, like you in a perfect world. Yes. You'd love to get excellent ball movement, excellent player movement, you know, the defense to be confused and miscommunicate and all that. Um, but at the end of the day, you're going to have times and, and stages of a game where your offense isn't great. Um, so to have a player like Nimhart and his, a freshman to have the poise that he does to go and knock down a shot, like, like th- those are big plays. Um, so I was, I, that's the thing that I'm looking at is like, all right, you, you know, this is stagnant, but you have some freaking go get a bucket players. Yeah. And that's, and another thing about Nemhard too, is, I mean, I, I thought I could argue this maybe was his worst game of the year, uh, when you put the whole thing together, but then, you know, he hits the bucket that you're talking about right there that gave Creighton the two point lead late in regulation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if he doesn't hit that, they lose. Yeah. Um, and then he also had the closeout on Justin Lewis at the very end of regulation when Marquette was trying to win it, you know, and I don't even think Lewis got that three off in time. Had it, had it yeah, gone. I, in, I, I, I think, I think that, yeah, I think it was still in his hand, but that's, you know, that's, that's, and he was really good defending um, Tyler Colick on the first exchange there too. So he defended the initial action and then he closed out hard on Lewis to make that shot late at the buzzer. Um, so like just a couple, like, again, the totality of his performance probably isn't a positive is like a net positive, but winning plays when it mattered. Right. Like yep. that's all it, that's what it is, man. Um, Cause basketball is, you know how it is. It's like this for, for all players. There's, yeah. there's never a, it, it's never just consistently at one, at one, you know, uh, peak. So I think, I think with, with him and I, I mean, I was going to talk about the uh, Rati kid too, but like, Mm-hmm. They just have guys who know what they need to do in certain situations, you know, that they, they have what a lot of teams have is the, the moments of just calming, you know, being like maybe a little too casual, like the, I, I, one of the um, responsibilities I have, I had for uh, scouting reports was uh, BOB. So baseline out of bound plays, whether it's defense or offense. Um and we had uh, it, Connie came in and she she had a thing with with uh, the Nebraska girls where you have to always be ready, you know, defensively. Um, and if you watch that that end of regulation um, baseline out of bounds defense, like it would have drove us crazy. You know, really? that's, that's the thing. Yeah, because we're just we're just upright. You know, we're kind of casually communicating. No one really is is super matched up. Every you know, for the most part, I would say four out of the five guys are straight up and down. Um, it, there's just a casualness, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so like those things are going to happen. I don't want to say that's a thing going to happen, but the, when you see that stuff and then you see Roddy, um, sprint after there was a guy who had a, a, a open shot on the left three, right in front of their bench. Do you remember that? 
and Roddy like runs into the guys on the bench on the, because he's, he's like closing out so freaking hard. Okay. You know, like, yeah. you just, it, it's just two very different <laughs> things. You got really casual offense at some, at some time, but you got to go, you know, you got a guy who can go get a bucket mm-hmm. and then you got guys kind of standing up and down. And then when it's time to like make a play, they're ready to make a play. Yeah. Is that more frustrating for like a team to know that they're, that they're, that it's in there? but it's uh-huh. not consistent. Like, you know, yeah. when you're fighting yourself sometimes. Yeah. I think that's the fun part about coaching. Cause I, I think, I think when you, like you said, you can walk away with this win, but there's a lot of learning material in the, in the game. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so like simple things that you can make adjustments to make you a great team um, are simple things. You know, you're not asking you're, it's not like you're shorthanded. You don't have the athleticism. You don't have uh, the type of guy that you need. Um, it's just, that's the fun part of coaching is, is how do I get, you're never going to get a kid to do what you want them to do hundred percent of the time, but how, how do I get that kid to do what I want them to do? Go from 85% of the time to 90% of the time to 95% of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I see. I think, I think with as good as we are, um, as young as we are, we have a lot of, uh, we have a high IQ team. I think, I think there are a lot of guys who have pretty high IQ. They play very controlled basketball they they seem like they pay attention as a scout um so how can I elevate that and so that's when you got to be nitpicky and critical of things like B.O.B. uh defense um and and just the maybe the offensive possessions where things aren't as uh active as you would want yeah a couple things off of that that I'm curious what you what you think you know the first one is big picture, but the, the other one is just at the point guard position because you've played that in your career and you've developed it as a coach. So, you know, when you I, – I, I know players understand when they're struggling, and sometimes they can magnify that too. They can think they're playing worse than they are even when they're when they're having a rough stretch. So, you know, like with this not being Nemhard's Ryan Nemhard's best game and then Roddy off the bench uh, – not scoring, right? You know, he, he was making plays, but I don't know how he felt about his offense because he hadn't scored yet. Yeah. Like, how do you, as a point guard, not let that drag you down to where it affects the team? You know what I mean? Like, because, like, where you can be super frustrated with the way this stretch of play is going right now. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you not get super internal and just, like, you know – call yeah. that just call it a day essentially mentally yeah. You know? yeah um well this i mean one of the things that we would talk to players about whether they're point guards or not like potentially or the most like i would say this the kids do that we need them to score the most out of or we need the most out of offensive production wise um it was it was a pretty consistent communication to force them to focus on controllables um so like Things like making sure you're doing your defensive assignment, uh, rebounding, um, sprinting the floor, like things that don't go like this in a basketball game. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I wish I would have knew as a player personally, or I wish I would have thought of as a player, because I, I, I do think it's really, really easy uh, to get um, into a bad mentality when things aren't going your way early. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the power of refocusing um, and, and putting the, the, I guess the focus on those controllable things, the things that you can always be great at um, is something that we would communicate, but 
that that's what's that's what's really impressive about you know the the, the players that that you mentioned, Roddy and and uh, Nimhari, because you don't I don't see it. You know their their body language, their demeanor yeah. is the same through and through. Um, at least that's what I that's what I saw. Um, and for them to make the plays that they made down the stretch after not maybe playing the most complete offensive game, um, that just goes to show you they're they're freaking locked in to to, to the ultimate goal of just getting the win. I'm fascinated. Um, so. I'm fascinated by the next play mentality of a of an avid competitor. You know, yeah, and and maybe it even bleeds into coaching too because I think coaches are, you know quick to just move on to the next thing even if the last thing just went really well you know there's not much celebratory stuff going on it's like okay well let's keep going here um i'm just fascinated by that as a from a player standpoint too because i just think it would be so easy to and 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 human to you know you go through these stretches where you're like man i just i don't feel right the shot doesn't feel right i don't feel like i'm in my rhythm i don't feel like i'm making Mm -hmm the right reads like I'm not seeing the floor like I should be seeing or or the the floor isn't looking how it should look when we run these actions um what's going on here is it like is someone in the wrong spot like how do I affect that Mm -hmm. I'm just fascinated by I don't think I thought I don't think I expected this team to be um as good at recovering from poor stretches as they have been like I think you know I look at their they're 10 and 3 right now and you know you could go back and look at a few different games that could result in different ways if they had been more internal and less resilient. And I think, you know, as I try to look at this thing, big picture, it just, I'm, I think it's hard to quantify, but I think I'm, that might be one of the things I'm most impressed with is just how they wipe one thing away, good or bad and move on to the next thing. Yeah. And I, I mean, I totally agree with that. And to me, you have to completely attribute that to to Mac and the coaching staff. You know, like I think, I feel like when 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 you see a bad thing happen, that, that's it, my my uh, my normal thing is whenever I go to games, whether it be a high school game or college game, whatever. Mm-hmm. As soon as a kid makes a mistake or a player or or a team does something that I know is not good, yeah. I instantly have this habit of looking at the coach. You know, because to me, I just it's just a habit. So if you do that with Mac, when, when, when they're, you know, unless it's like absolutely out of control, you know, there's, there's, there's a rare occasion, you know, times where he will, um, he'll kind of get on a kid, but for the most part, he's like, okay, move on. Let's go. Let's go. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Mm -hmm. very, he's very positive. His demeanor is very positive on the sideline. And as a player, if you can, if you experienced um, having someone constantly being like, it's okay. And you already know that you made a mistake, but you can feel rest assured, or you can be, you know, assured that you know your coach, the person who believes in you, thinks you're fine. I think it's easier to move on as a player, especially you know younger. Um, so I think that body language stuff, that being able to move on, that that poise, even when things aren't going well, I think that has a lot to do with with how Mac communicates with his players and probably practice, but to me more so in games, when you have thousands of people watching you and you're, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's just, and guys are different too, you know, like they're, <laughs> they, they like, they, they, they like attention, but they know attention is on them. So that there's, there are times I think where, um, and girls, I can't say even it's just guys, but like, 
it's embarrassing. You know, when you make a mistake, it's already embarrassing to yourself. So mm-hmm. you have thousands of people watching you. Um, and then you have your coach on you too. That's, that's like, that's not good. It's overload, so for right? him to Emotion be overload. Your, yeah. 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 So to, for him to, to know that he's going to be on your side, no matter what, I feel like that's just another assurance that these kids have, um, which results in, in often good things. Yeah. At the end of the day, it, yeah. It usually turns out in yeah. their favor. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Well, I guess, what did you think about the, the, the end of the second half? Like they came out out of halftime and hit those three threes from the right corner, all from the right yeah. corner. Uh, I think it was off pretty, I, I don't know if Alex is off the same action, but Hawkins's two were off the same kind of, the same kind of, uh, caused the same kind of confusion for Marquette. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, bang, 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 right out of the locker room. And, and then they just like, it, they just hit a wall. I don't know yeah. if it was, so I don't know what, what you, what do you think? Like, I don't know if it was the break mm-hmm. or if it was just like, oh, we're cruising now, like foot off the gas type of thing. Like, yeah. What do you, what do you think? Where do you lean? Do you think, do you lean more fatigue or do you lean more? They cause some of that themselves. Um, it could be a combination, but I, I think typically, I think that's a fairly normal thing that you see, right? Like you see a team that gets up and they, you, you feel like they're in control yeah. and then all of a sudden the leads start slipping away. And then, you know, one team gets tighter and tighter and tighter. And all of a sudden it's a game. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's not I, like the lead went away right away either. Right. So yeah. Right. You're, yeah. yeah you're right. Over time. Yeah. Um, and so as that, I think, I think when you come out hitting like that, you feel good about it, but then you get to a point of being like, okay, okay, what's a, I feel like you start to question good shots, mm. you know, and you, you start to get, you start to get to the point, maybe where you want great ones or it's the other way around where you're just kind of like settling for anything because you feel like you can be a lot looser. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I think, I think it might be a combination of the fatigue. Um, and then it just, as the, as the lead starts to kind of slowly slip away, you start to get a little bit tighter. And um, I think that that that's where that confidence with Marquette started to come in. And it, I, I feel like they just didn't, they couldn't recover from that. Yeah. So. Yeah. I do think, I think, I think you're, I think I agree with you on the, I think initially there was, there, there was like a, a relaxed, you know, a complacency there. Like they, they, they hit them with a pretty big punch to come out of the locker room and they kind of felt got a little comfortable at that point, yeah. which yeah. Again, this is like the human nature of the game, right? That's why the game has runs where each team kind of has shots to take over because eventually you just settle in. And you're like, oh, we're good right now. We're yeah. we can walk the ball up and take our time and find whatever we're looking for here, and we don't have to have a sense of urgency right now. Where we've got you know a six possession cushion. Um, right. And then, but there were there were there are also times where I'm just like, okay, look, you know. You're, you're, this is not a very good offensive rebounding team in Marquette. I think they were last in the Big East coming in, and they're getting second chance opportunities. So you're, so I think from that standpoint, um, there's miscues in blockout assignments and Big you know just, just holding Marquette to one and duns like you had been yeah. the whole game. Yeah. Um, then also from a rim protection standpoint, Marquette has adjusted. You know because they're getting downhill at the point mm-hmm. of attack and they're bringing Cockburner to them and then they're attacking that weak side for just some backside dunks and layups that right. I think right. took creating a little bit too long to adjust to as well. Yep. And then offensively, when you're trying to answer that, 
I think it was a little bit too heroic in nature. It was like, all right, well, let's just set a good ball screen here, get something downhill, and we'll find something easy out of that. And yeah, and and that's where the movement, where the movement stopping hurt them, I think, offensively, because you allowed Marquette, who is normally an aggressive defensive team in the first place, to load to the ball because your only meaningful movement was happening at the point of attack. You weren't you weren't putting things, you weren't putting things no in front of their eyeballs in the backside. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. yeah. So so from that standpoint, I think there's something that Creighton um, will identify on film and uh, understand that that's why the game got to the point it did when they were up 15 or 17. Um, but I think there's also – it's not – I'm not, like, sugarcoating it to say that there was some fatigue there because they did have, you know, a two-week break with a holiday in there. Mm-hmm. Um so, I mean, that's I think that all contributed to Marquette, you know, chipping its way back into the game and making it a one-position game down the stretch. Absolutely. No, I, I, I couldn't agree with all that more. Uh, what do you think of um, Ryan Kalkbrenner? I know, I know, you know, I know bigs aren't your thing, but. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but you're saying you know, that because I'm you're five more, Yeah, like a go whisper for point guards and, and wings, but. Uh, you have some hey. expertise in basketball. I used to, I used to work. I, I talk to Bree every now and then, you know. Okay. Do, yeah, you got some. You got some knowledge there. <laughs> no, I. The know how. He is. He is. Um, how can I say this? Like he, he's so unique to me because mm. he looks, he looks so like. This is gonna sound terrible, but like he would rather. I know, I know what you're about to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like there's anywhere else he could be right now. Yeah. And he's just, he just, so he looks like he's not engaged. Very unassuming, um, right? Yes. Yeah. Extremely unassuming. Mm-hmm. Um, But he freaking is, you know what I'm saying? Like he, and I feel like that might be part of his, um, of his, his, like the allure to try to go at him and try to finish over him. Mm. Cause it looks, he looks a certain way, you know, yeah. but cause it doesn't like, he's not like ready, ready all the time. You know, a, a lot of times he plays with his hands to the side. He's he's kind of like casual. He, but but you see him on the recovery, and it's like a, a completely different athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> so yeah. I buy him, and he's blocking the shot from behind. And it's like, uh, he's he's just a very impressive. Uh, his movement is is super unique to me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I like I like his. Again, like. Mac has some guys who are just here, you know, I don't see him getting overly emotional. I don't see him. He's just kind of like, you're going to get what you're going to get. He's always seems like he's always going to be solid. Um, But to have that kind of presence defensively um, to make up for some, maybe youth, you know, mistakes uh, defensively uh, with your, uh, with your youth, um, just with your typical scout breakdown. I think that that is, a huge, huge part of it. And when you game plan against a shot blocker like that, um, a lot of times that can change, that can change your, your whole game plan. Who you are as an offense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. When you know you have a shot blocker in there. So like you think about um, even the last, uh, the last OT, like the shots that they're taking, I'm a huge mid range fan, mind you. So I, I, I'm not aware. Yep. (laughs) But you look at the shots that I can't remember the guy's name and that's terrible. Um, but he took two shots uh, like Darryl, Darryl Morsey. The line and in yeah. one step inside the free throw line. You yeah. remember? 
and yeah. he wasn't it, he wasn't comfortable so like the first one the first one he made though um but you can just tell there's a hesitancy and there's a presence that ryan has um that impacts like just the mentality of even scores mm-hmm. who maybe are used to being a little bit more physical at the rim and um so that's a really good that's a really nice defensive anchor to have on the floor at all at, at you know for, for that much of of the time on the floor yeah you um, know i think it's one of those things where you wonder what you would rather have defensively like if i were to ask you know coaches like would you rather have just a dog on the ball who is just gonna you know make make people uncomfortable like make you feel them the whole time like i can't really you know i think you know guys want to walk the ball up uh or just want to play with some space to just yep. see the game and yep. settle into the the play right like how am i going to attack this and with like a with someone who's just a pest on you like you don't really get comfortable to attack you just kind of have to deal with them right but then again you know with Ryan Kalkmaner inside you've got someone who you can if you even if you get downhill past your own man like yeah. now your problems start you know what I mean because you got to figure out Absolutely. okay what angle can I take here that'll give me the best opportunity to get a shot on to get a clean shot on the glass or on the rim yep. um like, can I go into him and draw a foul or will he, you know, yeah. at that point, if he's straight up and down, you can go into him all you want. It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Um, there's just so many problems it creates by him being there because the floor's already <laughs> shrunk when you get in there and then your options are limited. So yeah. I don't know which one I'd rather have defensively, but I know Creighton's had different ones now. And, you know, with Kalkbender back there, like that's a powerful weapon for them because they can make a bunch of mistakes it's big and he erases it exactly so like you think about the so the 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 adjustment that mac made to go to zone when they started Mm -hmm. downhill pretty easy Mm -hmm. like cock brenner is still the same effectiveness slash presence he is no matter what whereas if you do happen to have an elite guard defender you can have him pick up and then get and settle into the zone but like when you want to make those those change-ups those when you need to make those defensive change-ups um, Cockbrenner is he's just going to be like a solid, again, anchor part of that defense, you know, and it's, 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 he's always going to be extremely effective at the rim. And when I think about the games where we struggle against certain teams, it's like, all right, how many easy baskets do we give up? Uh, how many layups yeah. do we give up? Yeah. And if you can just, if you can cut that in half <laughs> just with one person's presence, um, or more, you know, like that's, that's, to me, that's way more powerful than just a, you know, not just, but like than an elite guard defender. I think mm-hmm. they're both really important, but if I had to choose, I would choose a rim protector. Um, yeah. Cause I, dude, I used to gamble all the time defensively. That's what I'm saying. I would, love, I would yeah. love to have somebody yeah. out there just <laughs> making sure. Okay, I'm, hey, I'm going to go for this year, but I might get out of yep. position, but you help me out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because then your then your then your defense at the point of attack can be more tenacious, right? Absolutely. Because yeah, Absolutely. there's so many there's so many benefits to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I would take a Cockbrenner for sure. Yeah. So, um, one subplot of this discussion, I have this a lot with uh, some group chats. Is the uh, I I don't let me see how many minutes he played tonight. I'm pretty sure he logged forty five. Um, 
see if they've got the stats in my email yet. Okay. Yeah, 44. Yeah, he's at, he logged 45 minutes tonight, essentially. So um, what do you think Creighton can do to, um, I don't know, stay above water when he's off the floor? Because, I, I, you know, I, I like Keyshawn Fizel, and I think he does some good things, but there are obviously um, some inconsistencies there. You know, some there's been some games where he's had a positive impact, but there have been other other games where the game kind kind of gets sideways a little bit, and they have to bring Kalkbrenner back maybe before he's fully rested, right before he's had a full rotation yeah. of rest. Um, and it just feels like, yeah, it's I mean, it's early January. You don't want to be riding guys like that at this point of the year. Um, you want to get them to March, and then you know you can shrink your rotation a little bit more. Uh, you know, when it's one and done time, like. What do you feel like is a is a is a strategy maybe Creighton can employ? Like, do you see anything in how their roster is made up right now that it would allow them to play um, some smaller lineups like they did two years ago? Um, mm-hmm. That would just just help them offset those 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 yeah. stretches where Kalkbrenner has to rest. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, and I'm sure they I'm sure they 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 do this to an extent. Um, I think studying the lineup, the, the, the substitution patterns of other teams is, is pretty valuable. Oh, really? uh, yeah. Because if, and, and this is, this is 100% flan, but I think um, one of the things that he was really good at is, is recognizing the patterns within substitutions. And so if we knew, so we had Audrey um, uh, and we of course would love to have played her however many minutes per game, but we knew she needed a break. So sometimes we would like match up the subs based off of who came out. So like if, um, if Cockbrenner is going to be really good up against the starting five, because they have two really good drivers or a really good post player, then you want to try to maybe pair up Fizel or Zell with, uh, with the guys when those guys sub out or one of the two or one or two of the three sub out, um, and try to play with the minutes that way. Mm. Uh, I remember we did that. We did that um, uh, quite a bit, I think, um, during certain years. But um, yeah, sometimes it just it's just. So that maybe way. it's not necessarily about finding an effective lineup, but it's maybe just fi- about finding one that can match up best and maybe create like a net neutral type of situation. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think I think you can put. So one of the other things is. You know, there's there's kids who are coming off the bench with the, with the sub, right? With the with the uh, the next post, so you put more pressure on that kid to have a, a heavier defensive role. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. maybe that kid needs to pick up the ball at three quarter court and put more pressure on the point guard. Um, and you don't, you're not asking the 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 starting point guard to do the same thing. You know, the the, yeah. the other guard to do the same thing that See, maybe that's started. where that's where Creighton's really gonna miss Sharif Mitchell and it, you know and that and the more time goes by right now the the less likely it sounds that he's going to return this year mm-hmm. but like he sounds like a perfect guy who could play with Keyshawn mm-hmm. because when we talked when we just talked about it right like Ryan Kalkbrenner being the guy who can clean up all the mistakes inside with Sharif he's the one who can make a mess on the perimeter right, right. where right. your inside 
where your inside defense doesn't necessarily have to be as potent because teams are having a hard time even getting to that point, right? So for sure, that's yeah, kind of where Creighton is going to miss Sharif is because you could you could you could survive longer stretches with Kalkbrenner on the bench if you had someone like Sharif Mitchell who was just making a nightmare for ball handlers to get comfortable. Right. Right. Yeah, man. I, I think that that, that is going to be a, that's going to be a tough one if, if he's not able to come back. Um, I am, I had missed on, I, the last thing I saw is that he was planning on coming back for this game. Yeah. I, I, they, they had him, they, he went to see a doctor, but it just doesn't sound like it's healing. Right. So I don't know. And he's been out so long too, that, kind of getting him back into, uh, you know, into his like, full, cause you know how hard he plays, right? Like you can't, yeah. Yeah. he's not a, he's not a half go and make it work right. kind of guy. Like he's right. gotta be pedal in the metal. So like, it's one of those things where like, do you make If he comes back, how close to hundred percent is he? And how, yeah. how much injury re-injury risk is there for him? Cause yeah, you know, like, no, I, I get it. And it's getting, it's getting to the point you're in January now. So it's like, is it, yeah. Is it worth risking it? when he can maybe just redshirt and be a, I don't know what year, <laughs> what year would he be if he took this little bit in? Well, he's a, yeah, he's a three year junior right now. So he hasn't redshirted yet. Okay. Um, so yeah, he'd, he'd still be in the four and five. Yeah. Classification. Oh. So yeah, it wouldn't hurt that at all. Um, yeah. I just, but I, I, you know, just the more we like uh, trying to think about ways to, uh, you know, get some of their stuff off the floor. Like they're, they really can't do many creative things defensively um, yeah. with Cockburner off the floor. So like that, again, just like having Sharif play with that lineup changes the way Creighton can defend. Totally. It would allow them to be effective uh, in a different way defensively, but yeah. without having him, it's, it's kind of tough. Cause you, I still think you need to play Keyshawn. Like, absolutely. You know, cause like the game, I just think, I just think you have to, you have to go into a game, you know, and, and kind of break it down into a little bit, little, little mini battles, right? Like you're not going to, you know, roll out the ball and dog walk teams for 40 minutes. Like some, they're going to win some of these little wars and you're, you just had to win the most of them at the end of the day. You know right. what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like whether he's, you know, whether he's going out there and it's like, you know, his plus minus is just cratering because every yeah. time he's on the floor, it's like advantage opponent. You know what I mean? I still yeah. think it's, it's valuable because, at the end of the game, it allows Cockburner to be as fresh as possible. And that's where you're going to have to win these games. Like there's yeah. not going to be, they're not going to run teams up a floor they did against Villanova. Like that's, that's a, that's going to happen maybe one or two times this year. The rest of them are going to be just like today. You right. Know, where you yeah. need fresh bodies at the end of the game. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. It's a puzzle, man. That's going to be, that's going to be tough. I think the good point you made about Sharif is, is huge because that, that does take away another offense or defensive, like, presence that you can have to kind of make up for it so they got to figure out something to 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 kind of just take a little like you said to give Cockburner a little more time but um yeah I think those substitutions are big and maybe finding that other player who can put some some decent token pressure on a, on a point guard mm -hmm. you know maybe it's not Sharif uh style but maybe it's comparable to where you know one of the things that we also did was we would take away first pass in certain lineups, you know, like there's, there's some ways where you, maybe you can just kind of change your, again, your defensive presence based on your lineups. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what's probably what the, that, that's, that's, I'm sure that's at the top of their list, figuring out ways to get Ryan some more time on the bench. 
Yeah. What do you think of what, what's your take on Ryan Hawkins so far, Mr. Old Man Game? Uh, <laughs> he's just been so I mean, I, I don't I don't know if he's one of the more underrated players in this league right now, but it doesn't feel like he's getting the level of attraction um nationally that he deserves or that his production yeah. deserves even like yeah you know you look at like this Creighton went into this stretch of games against like Iowa State ASU Villanova and it was like all right well here's where the season basically begins because it's not going to be you're not going to have an easy win and left on the schedule essentially so mm-hmm. and he's played his best basketball during that stretch yeah yeah I don't know man I think I think he's obviously a he's a beast like he's he's super he's efficient um he doesn't seem to hesitate when it's you know when he's got an opportunity to score mm-hmm. um <laughs> i so i was talking to jalen and um so jalen agnew and alexis aquino tico both former creighton players uh we were just having a conversation about like how they didn't never put the ball between their legs they never did anything like saucy we would call it you know so yeah. <laughs> so we we're talking about it she was like yep we're just straight Straight chicken with some salt and pepper. <laughs> so, okay. Okay. So, so when I, when I think about him and I think about the the lack of attention or a lack of appreciation for maybe uh, his effectiveness and his mm. offensive presence, um, I think about that. There's he, he's, he's not, he's not flashy. He just no. goes in does his job and he, he, he does it at a pretty high level. Um, his production creeps up on you too, right? Like he, he, does. Had, he had 12 yeah. boards today. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. just, and, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't think about that until you look at a, a freaking stat sheet, you know? Yeah. Um, so he's not flashy. Um, he's just, he's just does his job and he does it really well. Yeah. And unfortunately the, the flash is kind of what gets most, gets more attention, I should say. Yeah. Um, so I think, I mean, I think him and Kalkbrenner to an extent, both kind of creep up on people. Like you look at their production today. And I think it would probably surprise people. Like, I mean, Hawkins had 18 points, 12 boards, four assists, and one turnover. Like, yeah, that's you know what I mean. Out of that position, that's craziness, right? And yeah. then yeah. you know, Kalkbenner, uh, 20 points, 12 boards, four blocks, two steals. Mm-hmm. Like, only turned it over twice, barely missed yeah. a shot. Well, it's <laughs> like I mean, I hate to keep bringing up women's basketball, but like. Well, I don't hate actually. Yeah, I was like, that. please so. bring it up more. <laughs> uh, Sydney Lamberty, though, you know. Oh like, yes! Oh that. my, that's Think a good that. one. Like, for college coaches, it's like that is a kid. That's that's a dream. But to the general public, to the to the people who are really like, they don't see it. Um, so, I think players like him, he's a he's a coach appreciated kid. He's a mm-hmm. he's he's much more a coaching staff. I guarantee you, other coaching staffs like you know, will give him what he deserves because mm. they're the ones that are uh, scouting against him. They see his, his stat lines every night. Um, so I think, yeah, there's just, when you're not flashy, when you don't got a little extra sauce to you, it's, it's, it's a little harder to gain some, you know, probably, uh, I guess, more attention. Yeah, Sydney's a really good one in terms of just, maybe not from playing style, but definitely from a, like an attention they uh-huh. garner for their production. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's really good. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Um, but yeah, man, he just, he makes such an impact on the game. It's, I don't even know how I would help people understand it too, because you just got to have to watch like the way he moves. Cause I think you can see that he's a thinking player, right? Like 
You know, he he's he's always communicating defensively, which means he's rarely confused, right? Because he's just constantly calling out what's going on in front of people so they can understand, you know, how to react to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that takes a basketball IQ, a high basketball IQ. And then, you know, his rebounding, like he's not necessarily a guy who's, you know, going to move a bunch of people or jump to the top of the square and, and rip down a bunch of balls. But like, he's just very, you know. Yeah, he knows where, the, he knows where to be. Yeah. He, he's in great position. Um, yeah, he's, he is, he is a player that's probably, well, that has grown up his whole life not being flashy. So he's always had to be really good at the things that other people don't maybe value quite mm-hmm. as much. Um, so like that we've, co- I've coached so many kids like that, like so many kids who are like, God, there's, you know, there's a kid that's right, you know, your same position, more talented, but for whatever reason, this kid is more impactful because they value getting in the right position to get a, get a, get a rebound, mm-hmm. you know, or they sprint just a little harder than you in transition. And it causes a lot of issue uh, for the uh, transition defense on, you know, the other, your opponent. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, I just think he, he, he's, I, I, I'm losing the type of player we used to call it, but like, he just know he, he's, he's able to play the game and be very efficient, very effective. Um, with without having to be flashy yeah and so the appreciation the appreciation for that isn't as high outside of a coaching staff or someone who's like really you know invested in creating basketball <laughs> what's it do from a coaching perspective to have someone like that on your side like it's huge it's how, huge. Do, how much do you how much do you rely on their ability to be in the right spots all the time yeah i mean one, you just, you, you are way, you, you lean way more often to give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm, uh, okay. So even when they're maybe having an off game, you still know that they're going to find a way to impact the game. So it's just like we talked about earlier, next play mentality, like the kids who can focus on the intangible or the controllables, which is to me what Ryan does. That's how you get 12 rebounds and, you know, however many lack of turnovers he had. Um, when you have players like that, it's just, it's like a comfort that you have as a coaching staff with them being on the floor, whether they're struggling or not. Um, so it's nice because you don't, you don't have a lot of givens. There's not a lot of givens in basketball. Um, but when you have players like that, you, you think of it as a given, you know, you think about Ryan's going to play, he's going to give us X guaranteed. Um, and you can feel confident saying that. So I think players like that, it's, it's really important. When, as a teammate, like, what do you feel when you've got him on your side too? Like, because I imagine, like, there, you know, there's a lot of youth on this team, right? So they're probably looking around, you know, just for any kind of leadership. And I think that's what's fallen on, you know, Ryan Hawkins, Alex O'Connell, even Ryan Kalkbrenner to an extent, Sharif Mitchell, just for some – like, okay, how are you guys reacting to what's going on right now in order to figure out how I should feel about it? You know what I mean? Like, are we in trouble? Are we good? We good? Okay, we're good. Like, let's keep going. You know what I mean? Like, I just think Hawkins has a calming uh, presence, even though he's out there making a bunch of plays, right? Like, you feel Mm -hmm. like you can't be calm when you're making those type of plays because you have to be, you know, full of energy, right? Right. But there is just a calming effect he has like you see it in his mannerisms in his face like mm-hmm. if he hustles for an offensive board and sticks it back and lays it in or 
um, kicks it out for an open three. Like there's not like a whole lot of this going on. It's just like, all right, yeah. let's keep, keep exactly. riding it. Like that's what you got to do. Yeah. I feel like that just causes a calming effect for the whole team. Yeah, I agree. I think, especially in times when, when, when it's, uh, when it's crunch time, when there's pressure, I feel like that's when it probably shows, shows up the most. Mm. Um, but like, I, yeah, I think, I think it shows in the, their, their willingness and want to get him the ball in, in crunch time series, you know, periods. And I don't know, I think, I think when you're a teammate looking at that, uh, I feel like it helps you to grow faster as a player. If that's not you, if, if that's not who you are normally. Oh, okay. So you can like learn how to be like that. Is what you're saying? Right? Yeah. I think yeah. you can learn how to affect the game in other ways outside of the ways that you're typically affecting the game, mm-hmm. you know? So when you see someone getting, cause I'm sure they're like clapping up Ryan in locker room or practice time when he's doing these things. And I think it's good for, um, I think it's good for younger players and players with different skill sets to see the value in things that maybe don't have to be so up and down. So um, I think that that's the, that's the good thing on the teammate side to have, have a teammate like that. Yeah. I felt like, you know, when you look a couple of years back at the, at the team that obviously got on a roll in February and March um, before the pandemic, uh, I felt like that team just, um, it started to exhibit a lot of like what the Caleb Josephs and Connor Cashaws, like players of the years before that still weren't on the roster had maybe instilled in them, by handling the day-to-days a certain way. You know what I mean? You just like, I think it just, it, it, it uh, rubbed off is what I'm trying Mm -hmm. to say. You know, then they just learned how to build a habit of not being too high or too low um, and let it affect performance. And I think even though Ryan Hawkins isn't going to be around for the majority of these guys' career as a teammate, I think his, his, uh, I can think his presence will always be there because of what they took from him in this season. You know what I mean? Right now they're relying on him to be very productive too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think some of that will be someone else will be able to step up into producing in that type of role because of what, of the way he did it. Like, I just think he yeah. has an effect on guys from a day-to-day standpoint that they'll, that they'll be able to take a lot of positives from just the way he approaches the game itself. Absolutely. Practice, games, moments, everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think the coolest part about it is he, he's, he's coming from, he, he's doing this at a high level coming from playing division two basketball, mm-hmm. obviously division two basketball. I, I, I will be the first person to say division two in AI that, that, that basketball is basketball. Um, yeah. But for right. Younger, younger college, mm-hmm. Yeah. Younger college guys who got recruited right away to play division one who are his teammates right now, hearing that a division two player is going to come and play and then seeing it translate his game from division two to, to playing at, at the division one level in the big East. I feel like that's even more powerful because you're like, okay, so like you, this, this stuff that he's doing, this basic, basic stuff that he's doing is translating to being, I don't know what his points per game are, but it's, it's, it's able to translate to division one level. And I think that creates instant respect because it's like, you can learn from that, you know? Yeah. So um, I feel like that, that, I feel like that's the coolest part of, of his, you know, whatever he's going to rub off 
on those younger guys, you know, their perception of what makes a good basketball player, you know, what level you are and all that. Um, it's going to put more value on those things that he does. It's crazy too, right? Because he won three national championships at the D2 level. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, and I'm not even going to lie and say that I watched Northwest Missouri state or, you know, maybe even as he came in, understood the level of discipline and intelligence and fundamentally sound, just like abilities from a basketball standpoint that you have to possess in order to, you know, he helped lead the team, two of them, and he was an auxiliary part in another one. So, but like everything translates when winning plays on a basketball court look the same at every level. And I think that's what yeah. maybe I underestimated the most about his, his uh, addition was mm-hmm. how much he was going to affect winning. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, duh, the dude's done it his whole life. I think after today, yeah. what is he, 94 and six yeah, in his career? Crazy. Isn't that absurd? <laughs> yeah. Like just an unreal level of winning, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. But you're absolutely. right because you're talking about it. Like everything you do, everything he's done his whole career on, on the basketball floor, he's learned how to win and he knows how to wow. win. And mm-hmm. whether the, whether it's the big East or, you know, D2, whatever league, it's like winning's winning. Like the, the yeah. same things you got to do on the floor, mm-hmm. it, all the, all, all that changes is the size and weight. You know what I mean? Like right. that's right. everything else is the same. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got, he, he's got a, a very simple skill set. And for, for the reason of his, for the reason that he has great fundamentals, he has, you know, obviously he's a really, you know, he's a really good shooter. Um, he's showing what translates to different levels. Mm-hmm. And so um, I feel like that that's, again, that's, that's what's going to be to me powerful to, for the younger guys to see. Yeah. Um, so. I 100% agree. I think, I think, I think Ryan Hawkins is going to have like a little bit of a ripple effect on this roster for a long time. Like, I think you're going to, I think you're going to, it'll, it'll, it'll hit, it'll hit us when we start to see the young guys doing some of the things that Hawkins uh-huh. used to do. Right. You're like, Oh, yeah. there, that's, <laughs> no. that's, that's a, that's a Hawkins type of play right there. Like, yeah, that no, no question. Yeah. No question. Um, let's see what kind of questions we got before. Sometimes I like to jump into questions a little bit and see how they can, form our the rest of our analysis here um uh the first one's from jake uh he is wondering if we agree with this uh assessment so if you oh this has to do with monitor reviews um if they're going to allow uh for possession review at the end of games should they also be able to call fouls um because like ryan hawkins is i can't remember who he was battling with but he clearly got fouled on the 50-50 ball, but it went off of his hands. So the call they were reviewing was who it went off of. Right. And it clearly went off of Ryan, but he was clearly fouled in the process of it happening. So mm-hmm. the question is, should they be able to review, like, the entire play and maybe change the call to be as accurate as possible? Like, not if you're looking for who it went off of, but a foul caused it to go out in the first place. Should you be able to just call the foul instead of just who it last touched is the question. Yeah. I see that. I see the argument. Like I, here's my, here's my only issue is I am, I'm super impatient. So when I watch games, I like, I like to just like get the thing going. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's, I absolutely think there's value in, in the possession, figuring that, figuring that out. Um, but I feel like the only issue that you might run into with the foul 
I think it, I think it makes it way more complicated because then you have to determine what's an actual foul and like, what, what's the, what's the degree of contact you're going to determine to be a foul mm-hmm. and how much did it impact that guy mm-hmm. it, in, in its effect of the ball going out of bounds. And then when do you start, when, mm-hmm. how far back do you go before you determine that? Like, right. is there a certain right. amount of seconds? Like, like when does that start? Um, and so I think that yeah, that's where, like though that's the one thing that's different about like, you know, a, a baseball player, a volleyball player, like a football mm-hmm. snap, like, in mm-hmm. basketball, like it's a it's a free flowing sequence, right? So like everything leading up to that moment could be, you know, up for review essentially. How far Absolutely. do you where, where do you start? Where do you end? Right. Yeah, you got pushed, and then you tried to reach back for the person, and you ended up fouling them, and the ball tipped. You know, there's just mm-hmm. there's just so many intricacies that I think would get involved in there that it would. It, I don't want to say it would take away from the game, but I I do think it would make it very gray. Um, and I think it would just make it, make it way more complicated. Um, I remember when we first started reviewing the out of bounds, the, the tips out of bounds. Do you remember that? Like yeah. it was, there was an NCAA tournament where okay. they reviewed. I remember Twitter blew up and I cannot remember what game, but the ball got tipped. And then like, oh, some, uh, Virginia, you know Texas Tech was crazy. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's, yes, that's exactly the one. Mm-hmm. So I remember that that was a big deal. You yeah. know, like them because they like the dude would like the dude would like have the ball and like the dude would swipe at it and it would go through his yes. hands. It's like that's literally off. Yes. That's always going to be off the dude who gets swiped out of his hands because it touches their exactly. <laughs> so it's like yeah, it's so even that something that that has so much gray in it mm-hmm. when you add you know in retrospect getting giving a guy a foul and then just think if it's the best player and they got four fouls already and like yeah, I just think you're I think that's kind of like. I think that's making it a lot more complicated personally. Yeah. The one, the one thing that I think I don't need, this is like corrupting the process, but cause I'm not a huge fan of re- reviews in the first place. I just think, I just think everything takes care of itself in the, for, in, in the end, like just play the game there. Like every, I understand that people will harp on end of end of regulation, end of game sequences and think that's like the difference in a win or a loss. But I'm also, I never lose sight of, I try never to lose sight. I'm not going to say I don't because I'm human, but I try never to lose sight of how much like the totality of the game matters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like, okay, if you're just like, okay, on possession number 66, um, the referees missed this and it caused this and they lost by this many. And that's why yeah. I'm like, also, I'm, well, I'm like, well, possessions 40 through 50 had this, this, and this, that were controllable mistakes that they made. That mm-hmm. had they changed those, they changed the result of the game in the first place. So right. like, I, I try not to lose sight of that when we're, you know, digging into like, but he got fouled on that play. Yeah, but there's like other plays where they could yeah. have changed. They could have, if they were, if they had control what they could control, they wouldn't be in this position in the first place. Yeah. So that's the part of it. I had that. That's the reason I hate replays because we focus a little bit too much on end of game sequences like that and not necessarily the, the bigger picture of why we're in that position in the first place. Absolutely. So I, I, honestly, I wouldn't even have it because I think it's yeah. I think when you slow the game down to frames per second, you can see a lot of stuff that you would overturn. You know what I, I mean? know. <laughs> like, and, and who knows what we're dealing with at that point? So if yeah. you want to play a game in a computer, like, yeah, take all the time <laughs> you want. But when it's just like, hey, man, just check the ball. Let's go. Let's yeah. make this happen. I'd rather just yeah. see them forget yeah. about it. But I understand why Creighton fans are upset because absolutely the dude was all over his arm. And that's why yeah. he didn't wasn't able to corral it. And that's why it went off his fingers. and. 
Like it's clearly a foul that causes it to go off of him. I understand that. And it was a big moment in the game, but I also know that like Creighton had a 17 point lead. So there's a whole bunch of like meat on the bone here that we can still pick through to figure out why that play even mattered as much as it did in the first place. So, yeah. 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 If they could pinpoint, if they could pinpoint some sort of rule to make it to where it's going to be like even, and it's a simple template that you can follow on any kind of situation or, or the majority of situations where the ball goes out and there could be a foul involved. Mm -hmm. But um, I just, I just can't think of anything that would make it to where you're like, but two seconds before that, he got pushed. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. He, right. You know, exactly. like, so why don't you count that foul? You know? Exactly, exactly. So, uh, yeah, it, it yeah. creates a mess. Yep. Um, let's see. Um, with the game on the line, uh, Creighton obviously embedded the ball to AOC for that three-point shot. Um at the end. So this is more of like, and then Roddy had the one that sealed the game. So this is more of a question about um, the decision to who, who to put the ball, who's, whose hands to put the ball in. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, Hawkins hit the three to put them up um, three and then Roddy finished it. But like, I guess the question is, <laughs> is that gutsy or is that smart? Like <laughs> where, where do you land on that? And then and for full context too, um, the play, the decision to put the ball in Roddy's hands was actually made by uh, assistant coach Alan Huss. He felt like if they just put the ball in Roddy's hands and spread the floor, they'll be able to create a, a better matchup that will lead to something good. So mm-hmm. credit, to, credit to Huss on that one for, for putting the ball in Roddy's hands and putting shooters on the floor with him mm-hmm. um, to spread the floor for him to attack. So, uh, yeah, I was it worked say- out. What did you what did you think of it though when you saw that Roddy was the one um initiating there? Yeah, I'll be hundred percent honest. I didn't think anything of it. I thought I thought that's fine. All right, what were we about to do? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, because I mean you would think the best defender who's 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 gonna be guarded by the best defender, mm-hmm. the top three defenders are probably guarding or are are not being guarded by Roddy or um not guarding not Roddy. Guarding Roddy, right. right. Yeah, yeah. So we, 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 that's that. I think that's smart basketball. You know, you got to play the matchup. Don't initiate um, with your best option. Yeah. Yeah. These guys are extremely physical. They, 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 they're, it's a, it's a crunch time play. And then you got a player who plays. He made a good play earlier too. the, the little, um, when he had the drive and dump to, uh, Cockbrenner, mm-hmm. you know, like he's, he's a controlled player. So I don't, I don't know if I've seen, and I could be freaking wrong because, I, I haven't watched, I'll be honest, as much Creighton men's basketball as I, I typically do. Mm-hmm. Um, but just in general, like you don't sense he's going to get rattled or sped up, you know? So mm-hmm. I think it's a pretty safe play. Um, but the most important and the most, the most important thing to me is who's guarding him. Um, and so I, I feel like there's I probably. That, yeah. So I think that's what the, des- the design was like, uh-huh. let's create a situation where we can put a, you know, a playmaker in a, in a stress-free situation as much as possible, right? It's the end of the game. This play is going to matter in terms of like, do we have a two possession lead coming down the other way or is Marquette going to have a chance to tie? So, and and, and honestly, with a three point lead, you can probably make that gamble 
mm-hmm. a little bit easier because it's a three point lead, right? The worst, Absolutely. the worst that happens in a, in a realistic world is they tie it and that's it. Right. They, don't, they don't beat you. Right. So right. if it's a one point game or a two point game, maybe your thinking is a little bit less because the percentages aren't in your favor that an empty possession doesn't still result in a win. Right. Mm-hmm. But I, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you on his uh, ability. I think, you know, early in the season, there was a little bit of erratic play, but you also have to consider that he's coming off of a, an ACL. So his entire freshman year was essentially nothing. Like he sat and watched, right. um, didn't practice, didn't get any reps, uh, you know, game or otherwise. And so it's taken him a little bit to settle into what the, the speed of the game and how to flow, um, how to find his rhythm. And I think the more and more that the, that he's playing and that he's practicing, you're seeing it kind of come, naturally mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. honestly that play was it, it i don't think it's a flashy play I, and i love no. it because no all he does is like he gets a, yeah he gets <laughs> yeah. a step on his man right yeah. and, and it was a matchup advantage because he mm-hmm. he had a speed advantage like you said because you've got the floor spread with your shooter so marquette's defensive attention in terms of a scouting report is focused on the auxiliary parts on the floor, right? Like, okay, who's, where's this shooter? Where's that guy? Yeah. You know, Roddy cut the ball, whatever. He's not, he hasn't scored all game, right? Yeah. He literally hasn't scored all game. Mm -hmm. So you're probably thinking he's trying to find somebody. And then, um, so then you've got, he beats his man, gets downhill, you know, sets, puts two feet in the paint, Mm -hmm. uh, shot fakes, just a little bitty shot fake, right. To get a, a little bit of an angle. Then he steps through, lays it on the opposite side of the rim. Like yep. that is beautiful basketball. I love when guys mm-hmm. execute like that in a big moment. Cause it's like, right. cause I think you have to be so calm to mm-hmm. execute that many fundamentals in a row. Um, yes. In order to make a play. And he did. Yeah, man. It was incredible. I, I'm telling you, it's, it's funny. We just had, we have, uh, we had this little basketball camp. So I think it's just good for, I think it's just good for, uh, Creighton basketball fans all, you know, I think even better for younger kids to see, but like we just had a camp and that's all we talked about the whole week, you know, just making two foot strong, Mm. simple plays, you know, make that be your foundation and then add the, add this flashy saw stuff if you want, but at the, at the minimum to be able to make plays like that. um, It just shows you again, it's just about translation, like simple translates. Ryan Mm. Hawkins translates to higher level basketball because it just does, you know what I mean? It's just, that's just, that's what, just what it is. So uh, to, to have him make that kind of play at the end of a game where it's, you know, quite a bit of pressure um, you see Villanova thriving on plays like that, like that, that's, I think that's powerful um, to the, to the next or the future of young, you know, the young the basketball game, players yeah. coming yeah. up. Yeah. Cause it's, that stuff is good. That's um, I, I, I think when, yeah. Anyway, I think that that was a great play. I loved it. I feel like I get it. I think, I think that that defender probably wasn't the best defender on the floor. Clearly. Right. I think yeah. you're right. A hundred percent that they weren't worried about Roddy, that the, the oh. off, offside defenders were not concerned with him. Um, and so that ended up paying off pretty well, but him sticking with fundamentals, making a simple play like that, um, I think is is big. Yeah, because I mean, I think it's just too easy to like, all right, blow by my man, find my one foot, 
mm-hmm. launching pad and like go to the rim. Like, oh my god, that's that's that is what you yeah. normally would see, yeah, right? Right. Just jump in the air and hope. And hope, yeah. <laughs> and hope I just I, I yam on that's this what dude. I used to I, do. Yeah, exactly. I know this for a fact because I did it. Okay, <laughs> just run, jump, and see what happens. See what happens. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean a great play. Like, a, a, honestly, a veteran play, and he's not a veteran. Mm-hmm. That's what I love mm-hmm. about this team. It's like they, make, know, a, they make so many simple winning plays, and I don't think they should be doing that right now. I know. I'm telling like, you, you're too I young for you. where's all this flashy mistake prone basketball? Yeah. Like, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, they have the the this. You know, it's it, there's there's just a couple or a few players that have poise as if they're just vets. You mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Nimhard's change of pace. Like he he plays at such a good pace. You know his his uh his couple drives that he had, where he did the uh the Euro, you know yeah, yeah. he looked at the corner shooter and then finished up, but he did that twice. Um, but if you watch his pace, he's not going fast. You know he plays. That's like the, that's like NBA style. You know that that that's that's that pace where he you can uh, change speeds at the right control. time. Yeah, yeah, and you're controlling the defense slowly. Mm-hmm. but you're, you're able to get to the rim and be efficient with your angles and all that. So, um, yeah, they have some impressive players when it comes to poise and just IQ. Yeah. It'll be interesting because this stretch is going to get like, they, I think they're going to come home now. Um, they're not going to stay out on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if everything goes to court, they'll come home, um, I guess tomorrow will probably be an off day with the travel day. And then I imagine, you know, Monday they'll practice. Uh, I think Monday and Tuesday they'll probably practice in Omaha and then they'll fly to Philly, I imagine. Uh, and they get a rematch with Nova. Nova, who is, let me see, right now they're up one on Seton Hall with 40 seconds left shooting free throws. Oh, we. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting ending. Um, so, yeah, the, then they get the rematch with Nova. Like, how, what do you – what what are your early like impressions of that matchup facing a team that I mean Creighton from Creighton's standpoint they played they beat Nova then they played Marquette and they're gonna play Nova again mm-hmm. so how how do you think Creighton's approaching that game a team mm-hmm. that they just beat by twenty mm-hmm. one of the favorite in the league but now they're going to their place mm-hmm. you know I know it's not from a time standpoint it's not a quick turnaround but from a game standpoint it is like how do you think I- Creighton how do you think Creighton approaches that game. Yeah, I don't know. Like from uh, from a coaching standpoint, I would definitely tell them to get. You almost want them to get rid of the idea of a twenty point win. You don't want them yeah. to use it at all. I don't think so because I think that that relaxes you too much. Okay. And you want to re. You want to reinvent the feeling or the preparation that you had before that first game. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm with you. Um, so I think I think the approach is I, I this sounds terrible, but I don't, I don't think you downplay that win. But I think in a way you say, look, they had a you can you can probably show point. You can probably point to some things that they did that were very out of character that game mm. that won't probably ever happen again. You know, mm. so Villanova, I mean, so yeah. if if you're if you're watching that game or if you're you know, you're you're prepping the guys for that. I think I think it's it for me, it would be important to communicate like look, they're going to be more ready this time. They, they did, they had this many turnovers or this many things that are super out of character for any Villanova team. 
Um, so don't expect to have that. So we got to come ready. That kind of mentality, I think, um, prepping prep wise, I think is important um, when 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 stepping back on the court against them, because I think it's really easy to get uh, uh, cocky, I guess, um, after blowing a team out. And so because yeah, you like, I, you know, you've seen it like with, with the turnaround game mm-hmm. where, you, where, where the team that put it on them probably would think like, oh, yeah, we got this matchup. We got yep. a number like yep. they can't beat us here, here and here. We're good to go. Like it, it. But that game, like they won by 20, but it wasn't a 20 point win. Like, no. I, I, I don't know how to I, explain it, but like it was more of a, it was more of a grinder than a than a blowout. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like yeah. were, it got ugly at the end, but. You know, it was mm-hmm. a five point game with under eight, you know, so like there's yeah. there's like 30 minutes of basketball where it was, ba- you know, basically possession, yep. possession. So, yeah, yeah and like, I probably talk about that, you know, that'd probably be one of the one of the points um, of discussion in that in that scout scout meeting. So, um, yeah, that's just my that's my perspective of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from, I mean, honestly, from a matchup standpoint, I think. Like, I think Creighton does match up really well with Nova or like or vice versa. I don't know if. Nova has as many matchup um, problems to throw at Creighton. Like, because they don't have anybody like Kalkbrenner, so that's advantage Creighton one, for, yep. first of all, right there. Um, and then they also, like, Nova just kills you with, with like, just a barrage of simple stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, not, yeah. they're not super intricate in the actions they run and the things you nope. got to pay attention to in terms of movement and all this play design stuff, right? But, you know. They're just gonna relentlessly attack you and make you be sound. Like they, they exactly. don't leave your feet. Don't yeah. fall for that pass fake. Don't don't get yeah. out of position here. Um, you know, don't take me not. Don't take me being on the perimeter for granted because I'm gonna crash the glass when the ball goes up. Like yep. those types of things. Like Villanova just adds those up as the game goes on, and then that's how they win. You know what I mean? Yeah. No so, question. No yeah. question. So, so just hammer the details again. I think. Forget yeah. like the margin of victory and focus on like how um, how you did it. How you did it. Yeah. What sure. what put you in the mindset to get you in that? Because I think I think that the most impressive thing when I when 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 I was watching that game, I'm like in my mind I'm like God, we are super di- disciplined defensively. Like this 100%. is the most def- this is the most discipline I've seen us play against Villanova as far as like keeping our feet on the floor on the ground, you know, boxing out, just making sure we're just handling our our you know hopefully one and dones for the most part, but like. That's that's something I think that's the reason why we won. You know, our defense, I think our defense was was really good. Oh, yeah. um, so I think that if if they can continue to kind of harp on the defensive side, discipline side, um, I feel like they'll they'll give themselves a chance, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, that was a that was an interesting game, man. Yeah, from I mean, yeah, execution standpoint, it was almost mm-hmm. perfect for Creighton. I know like a little, I, you know, maybe too many turnovers still, but yep. from a, from a defensive execution standpoint, near flawless. Mm-hmm. Like that's how you gotta, that's how you gotta play. I mean, honestly, it would help if they played that way every day because they win a lot <laughs> yeah. of games, but if, but especially yeah. if you want to beat Villanova, like you yeah. have to be locked in always yeah. every possession. Cause they will put a barrage on you. If you mm-hmm. have slippage, you know what I mean? They'll, they'll take Absolutely. advantage of it. Yep. Yeah. They make you pay for it. And the crazy part is I went, I actually went back and watched all the shot fakes that they did in the game. And it was crazy. The, the two that they scored on that. So just for context, like uh, they shot fake 29 times I charted and Creighton only bid on two of them. 
but the two weren't even that bad. Like, but that's how little Villanova needs you to give them in order for them to take advantage uh-huh. of it. Like, that's all it impressive. was was like all that. I think one Kaluma got a little bit heavy on his front foot uh-huh. on a shot fake, and it's like, uh-huh. and then Gillespie blew by for a layup, and then another one was a simple little shot fake in the paint where Hawkins, you know, uh-huh. left his feet, and then Samuels drew an and one and finished over Kalkman. Like, they don't need much, but. They really don't. But <laughs> like, but if you're able to stay down, it's amazing how hard you make the game for them because of how, you know, how simple they, how much, how much simple stuff they rely on to be successful. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You, you need to send that, that stat to the coaching staff if they don't, if they don't already have it. <laughs> yeah, I'm that, sure that is sure. impressive. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're on it. Um, yeah. So uh, Villanova was up by four with 11 seconds left. So it looks like they're going to be two and one in Big East play. Uh, going into that game, I don't think they play again until then. Let me check. Either way, it'd be uh, either way, I expect Villanova to come in pissed off because that's just the way Villanova operates. Yeah, no question. You know that I mean? that had to be a really tough locker room after, yeah, that game because you just know that they have like their standard allows them to be like, What the hell was that? Like, we got to get that one back, you know? Yeah, absolutely. They're too detailed. Like, I don't know if I've ever told you this. Or I can't remember who I was talking to, but we were in um, – this is before they got the new facility. Mm. Um, but we were in their locker room uh, when we at were the, playing. At the, at the Finn? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had this huge chart on the wall. Um, and they had, mm-hmm. like – it wasn't your, like your basic stats. It wasn't like assists, points, rebounds. It was like screen assists. Um, I can't remember the other ones, but they were some ones that were just like you had to like think about what they were. Really? (laughs) Yeah, but they had the chart, and so you could see the tick marks by the guys' names, and um, but that just goes to show you that's how much attention to detail and how much value they put into those things that are outside of the generic Mm -hmm. stats, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, so I'm sure that that you know. So it sounds like it's more it's more process. Uh, like a chart about process than result, right? Yeah. Because like an assist, a rebound, a block shot, a steal, and uh-huh. a, th- a made basket is a result. Mm-hmm. Like, how did that happen? Well, yeah. it happened because we screened this guy at this level mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it got that angle and that's how we got the shot off. Like, yeah. That's, yeah. They're, they're crazy yeah. that way. Yeah. They're different, they're, man. Yeah, they're, they're super different. different. Yeah. And that locker room, we, we always talk about how they, cause they had just won national championship and they're, we're in this locker room and it's like the leather chou- couches are all like beat up and it's kind of like grimy in there. <laughs> like, like what? There's no extra stuff. Yeah. I'm sure it's way nicer now, but. Anyway. Yeah. I think they wait for a renovation, but it probably looks a little bit nicer. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's Villanova's next game too. So they're going to have, Again, they're already out on the East Coast. They won't have a long trip home. Um, I, man, they're gonna. I, I, they're, I imagine they're gonna come in pissed off and like they're gonna try to get. They're gonna try to embarrass Creighton because they yeah. they felt embarrassed in Omaha, and you can yeah. tell from the body language. So yep. yeah, that'll no be question. interesting for the young Jays how they handle that because like know. you know it'll be the first time they've faced a team I think that wants to kick their ass. Mm-hmm. I don't think they've faced a team that's that's wanted to beat the crap out of them yet. Yeah. So. It'll yeah. be interesting how they handle that, won't it? Because like that's always. I, I, I'm very interested. Yeah. I can't, I'm. I am. I think I like. I really like this team because they don't seem like they. They're not predictable mentality wise. 
Mm. I feel like uh, a lot of young guys, you can kind of see the typical track that they go on. There's like, um, they have these mental breakdowns and then they'll have, and it's just girls and guys, it's just college basketball in general. Yeah, athletes but you go there. through yeah. these, yeah, these, these modes um, of you lose your confidence within the game and out of, you know, there's just a lot of, uh, I guess, wishy-washiness when it's, when it's a lot of young players. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's the unique thing about this team is you don't, I don't freaking see that. Like, it doesn't seem like we have, because how many freshmen do we have playing freshmen and sophomore total? Well, freshmen and sophomores? Well, yeah. I mean, O'Connell's a senior. I think he's a fifth-year senior. Um, Hawkins is a fifth, maybe sixth yep. year. He might be in his sixth year because he redshirted at Northwest Missouri State. Okay, then, yeah, people be sick. Yeah, so, um, but uh, Hawkins is a two-year sophomore. Uh-huh. Uh, Nemhard, Alexander, Kaluma. Yep. Those are all first-year freshmen. Roddy's a second-year freshman. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, Sharif, honestly, not having Sharif makes them less experienced. So, they're yeah. even they're even less experienced than they started the season with right now. Man, I'm telling you, like, you look out there and you're like, all right, these kids aren't crumbling. Their body language is all good. Like, it's – it's so the, the things that you kind of, like, lean on as a more – like, a veteran team or older team, mm-hmm. um, I don't feel like you can get those reactions out of Creighton the way you think – for as young, mm. for, the, for the young players that you have on the floor for that much time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like that's their X factor, man. I feel like they have, they have a very poised team, even with youth. Um, and I think that that's a really unique thing because we used to depend, like I loved when we played against freshmen, even if they were really good, like, mm-hmm. cause you just know for a fact, like as soon as like something, they, they have a couple bad possessions in a row, three, four, you know, it's going to like spiral into like chaos later. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, when you, when you watch Creighton, you just don't see that. And it's probably like, I think that that's the, one of the most unique things about them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. It's going to be interesting because like, yeah, for a lot of reasons, but it's, it's, it's rare that uh, you know, Nova, Nova will be favored. So that's not, I'm not going to say like Creighton Nova will be the underdog in this game, but like, I think Creighton is somehow going to be the hunted one mm-hmm. because of what they did to Nova the first time. Yeah. And it being so soon too, you know, yeah. like Nova's only played two games since then. Creighton's only played one. So it's almost mm-hmm. like they're just running it right back essentially. Yeah, so like <laughs> it's, it's, it's so much from a mindset standpoint is advantage Villanova. And so much from an experience standpoint is already advantage Villanova. So I'm really curious to see how this game turns out because there's a lot of bad scenarios I can see playing out very easily. And yeah. I and, and it wouldn't even be like a big picture bad thing. It would just be like, yeah, Nova wanted that one back and and you're the young pups and you're supposed to take this beat. Yep. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> right. We'll see how it goes. I feel like less <laughs> confident about the rematch than I did the first one. And I don't think it's supposed to be like that. I think you're supposed to like – yeah learn feel something better about, about yourself the first like hey we beat them yeah. pretty soundly yeah. the first time like i feel better about like i don't think i feel that way i think i felt better about the first matchup than I mean, the second one time. so yeah i don't know my yeah, i don't know how i feel i feel yeah i don't know how i feel they just they just they're just good though they yeah. they are like they are they they have their things like like, like everyone but like we have a really good team mm-hmm. um 
And so I, I just think that they're, they're just not predictable. They don't handle things the way any assumption I've made so far this year has been way the hell off. So like unpredictable, but in a good way for some reason. Right? In a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're, they're not your typical freshman. They're not yeah. your typical. I mean, you think about it. They put, they threw Ryan, they took through Hawkins in and it's, it's this put together team, you know, and that it's, it's not like they're. Yeah. They never, like, never, there's no like camaraderie there. They're all learning no, together. They so. haven't played together for that long. Mm-hmm. So um, I think there's a, a, good unpredictable aspect to our team that makes it harder for us to be scouted um and i think that that's a uh, that's one of our big advantages they've managed to turn the inexperience into an advantage what you're saying yeah <laughs> yeah they've weaponized it that's impressive they they definitely have um i think i'm good uh, anything on your mind you still want to throw at me here hmm. have you emptied the tank no no I don't even want to talk. I don't even want to mention women's basketball because I just want the game to happen. So I'm not going to. Oh, my God. I'm not going to say I was anything. Like ready. I was ready. That's so, so you were well, you weren't there last year either. So how frustrating would that be to be like in the arena? I mean, I was there. I was there when it happened at St. When the men played St. John's in New York. But the whole world was stopping then. Like, man, there's not any FOMO there. Like everybody was done playing. Right. You know what I mean, so. Right. Like how, how do you think you would feel? Yeah. You like wake up on game day and like you get to the arena, you get dressed and you're like ready to go. And it's like, oh, this team's going to pull out <laughs> at the last second. Well, selfishly, I honestly would be salty about the amount of time and prep that I put into the scout. I know. Leading up to that game and then to not have it. And then on top of that, to have to rush to do the next scout, mm-hmm. you know, because um, page real quick, you yeah. only have. Yeah. So that would be selfishly my biggest issue with it yeah, <laughs> you, you spend all this film with the kids you 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 watched all these games and yeah it'll pay off later because you can you can use it but you're going to still have to redo some of that scout because there's going to be updates you know I, I thought it was um, really smart of and honestly this is just a credit to flan because he does kind of have i, I well, he majored in philosophy in college right so like he just always has a, a good um, approach to things in terms of a reaction. Um, and I just feel like him just simulating that little inner squad yeah. exhibition where like the coaches played and like, they just like kind of loosened up a little bit. Yeah. I think that like helped them wipe it away real quick. Absolutely. It's like, all right, well that sucked, but let's yeah, I'll try to make the most of this real quick. And let's move on. Yeah. 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 I, to- I totally agree. I think yeah, you know what you're talking about the game mindset, getting yourself in game mode is different, right? Like, uh-huh. you- you turn into a different person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're not, yeah. you don't want to talk to anybody. You don't want to be a yep. family friends. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm locked in right now. Yeah. But I think like yeah. really quick, just resetting their minds and everything. And like, all right, look, this was supposed to be a game day. We, it didn't happen. Like, I know you guys are frustrated and um, cause you put in some work and you didn't get to execute it, but let's just, you know, have some fun real quick while we're here in Indy, you know, get up and down a little bit, loosen up. And then, yeah, turn the page like we yeah no I think it's big I think and that's 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 he's 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 always been that way like he's he's super creative to find Mm -hmm. ways that you would never think of to make up for you know random things that are that are unexpected so Mm -hmm. um yeah I think it's really good for the kids because I I think you do have a lot of you have a lot of uh you you build up a lot of expectation or like um what is the word 
I just um, think you go, I just think athletes, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you have all this adrenaline, you're ready to play, especially Rachel Saunders. <laughs> She's For sure. go out there. And so you have, you have that and you, to be able to release it a little bit, even if it's mm-hmm. in a fun way. I think that that's, um, that's a good thing. Yeah. And I just think from like, even from like a coaches and player standpoint, I think you go, I don't think it's a dark place, but I think it's a place where only you belong in your mind. Uh-huh. Like yeah. when you're getting ready for a game, like no one else is in your head when you're thinking about, all right, like this is the scout for that girl. That's the scout for that girl. That's this is what we have yeah. to do. This is how we have to execute. This is our play. We're running here. Like, there's just so many things that are a part of that. Like you're just not thinking about anything else. And then yeah. when it gets like taken away before you even get to do it, you're like, well, what the hell did I do all that preparation for? Like, <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, you would be a little assaulted yeah. about it, right? So, yeah. 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 I want. That's the last thing I want to mention because I just want to see them tip the ball off. Honestly, it's been too long. I'm with you. They played so well against Arkansas. I almost felt like screw Freaking the Christmas ball. break. Yeah, just like play get call UConn right now. Like, let's go. Man, there's something in the water at Creighton right now because our young folk are playing like our young folk are playing. Yeah, <laughs> they are. They're playing like they've been there for years and years. You know, it's like, let's, let's, let's talk about it a little bit. Big picture with like this women's basketball team. Like Emma Ronsick is a, I mean, how do you even want to classify last year? Like it didn't feel like a full season of experiences, right? It, you know, there uh-huh. were so many pauses. There were, they played maybe like 20 games essentially. Um, but she's, you know, second year sophomore, Morgan Malley, second year sophomore. Mm-hmm. Carly Bachelor feels like, she's in that class too. Cause you know, she was uh, behind Jalen as a freshman. And then yeah. um, last year she was hurt for a large stretch of the season. So like, it feels like the end of the season performances that she put together were just like the start of her sophomore year. And this is just the continuation Absolutely. of it. Right. So yeah. they are pretty inexperienced, but they look pretty good right now. Right. Like, yeah. Shout out to Linda Sayavantra for putting that recruiting class together. Cause man, yeah, I know. Right. Um, yeah, that that that's the thing. Like, uh, I, again, like I, I think I'm really big on mentality because I think I think there's um, a lot that goes in when you're co- when you're coaching players that are talented. Um, there's a lot of things that you don't see on the outside. You don't see the player meetings. You don't see the moments of time when maybe in the practices a kid has breakdowns or there are a lot of uh, other factors that go into that player being a good player. Mm-hmm. So. When you think about, like, when you look at, when you watch Emma Ronsi play, you watch Morgan Molly play, you watch Molly Mogensen, you watch those those young players who are playing, like, impactful minutes mm-hmm. in the Nimhard. You, you, watch, you, watch you watch those guys, like, they just don't care about making mistakes, you know? <laughs> it's just some, they care, but they let, they let that shit go. And when, they, when they're able to do that and they do that, it, it just, I think it reflects in their ability to just play at a high level for a longer period of time. Mm. And it, it's, it's just, it's something that you can't teach or coach, you know, you either got, you're either like that or you're not that. I think you can foster it with the, like I said, Mac, I think he does a really good job of, of fostering it by being a positive, you know, he's on the, on the sideline, but I think some kids, we used to call them MFers. Like you, some kids, you just, you can't, you can't, you can't penetrate their head negatively. They, they're, they're too confident. Um, and I think, I think that that's something that, um, both the women's and men's team have. Yeah. Um, you got some members, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, do. we do. We do. This is the toughest, this is the toughest women's basketball team we've ever had to me. That's like, a- I, and I, and 
and and that's you know that's no slight against our former players. That's nothing but, but, against them. But it, but but th- but think about think about it in a results pers- from a results perspective, right? Because this 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 I think this supports your point. Drake was putting it on them day one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's so easy for that to just be like, well, it ain't our night. Nebraska yeah. was putting it on them in Lincoln, and mm-hmm. even though they lost that game, and even though they lost the Drake game, that thing could have gone real sideways. Instead. They lost to Drake at the buzzer. They lost uh-huh. to Nebraska. It was like a five-point game in the last two minutes for essentially they were trading. Like yeah. Creighton was trying to make it a one-possession game. Like it wasn't a blowout. They haven't gotten rolled yet. Like uh-huh. they fought every single time. And even when uh, at Arkansas, like they got the hot start up 16 to eight, right? Like Arkansas comes back. It's it's a game. And then they make another push at the end of the second half. Yeah. Of the first half. And then like, that's what I'm, you're, you're, you're right. Like, cause mm-hmm. they're resilient. And they're just like, okay, you got me there. I'm coming back at you. Like, yeah, yeah. Stopping. It's as a collective too. Like, it's like we've had. I'm not saying we never had tough players in the past mm-hmm. um, on both sides, but like the, as a collective group, there's no question. These this on the women's side. I'm speaking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the this is this is the most tough. This is the toughest team we've had. I, it's so yeah. funny. I'm glad you said this on the record too, because I texted Cy on the way home from Lincoln. They're mm-hmm. one and two, mind you. So she's probably like pissed off. Yeah. So they're one and two. They they beat UNO, lost to Drake, lost to Nebraska. And I was mm-hmm. just like, I was like, I think your team is just tough. Like, I don't know how to. I know you're like mad because you're upside down right now, record wise, and you just lost to Nebraska for the first time in five years, like or six years. But man, your your kids are tough. They just are, and I think yeah. that's gonna work itself out at the end of the day. It it will. It will. We we're. Not, I mean, I I I try not to say this because I know now that I'm on the other side. <laughs> And I know Linda's superstitious and yeah, Carly. Yeah, you guys are all freaks about that superstitious. Thing. I know, but now that I'm now that I'm in the stands, I'm like, yeah. oh, I can say whatever I want. Yeah, you can speak freely. <laughs> so, no. so I, I I I tell them all the time though. Like after any game, um, I'll I'll and I'll text one of them, uh, and I'll just be like, you guys are gonna be like, we're good, but we're gonna be so good. By the all of our teams get better. All of our teams mm. peak oh, at the end. Of the you know, um, so you think about what we're doing right now. And, you know, I, I went to the South Dakota game. That was a really tough loss, but it was like, Such we a weren't good game. We didn't get bullied, no. you know, we t- like, just being straight. Like we, we normally kind of get bullied by South Dakota. They're, yeah. they, they, they just typically, that's just how it is. Um, but that was not the case with that game. Mm. You know, they hit some crazy shots. They, there were, there were some things in that game that to me were major indicators of our toughness. Um, and for us to have that be our like thing, and then to know that we're going to be good, we're going to be better in February, March. Um, I'm really excited about, about what, what's going to happen yeah. towards the end of the season. Shev, like I've wanted to say some crazy shit about this team for a minute. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just going to wait because I, it, it's, it yeah. would, it would, you would you would be like all right calm down because I, I think this i think this team <laughs> hey, is really I'm probably honestly close to where you are so i'm gonna i, I you think to so uh, when we don't when we're done recording i'm gonna throw it at you and then we'll see how crazy right. you think i am but like yeah i honestly just zooming back down a little bit here or zooming back in i just wanted to play tomorrow because you know they haven't played since the 21st and they felt so good yeah. after that win and you know, if they don't play, if they don't, if for some reason they don't play tomorrow, Marquette and UConn are their next two opponents, and they're both on pauses. So, like, those games are already kind of up in the air. And I just don't want, 
especially for this team, I just don't want them to go through what they went through last year again. Yeah. You know, where they're just like, just sitting out waiting. Yeah. Um, Cause like, it just, I just think it ruins their flow. And right now yeah, they've got such a totally good flow does. going. Yeah. And it doesn't give you a true barometer of, of, of their potential or, mm-hmm. or where they're at, you know, cause there's all these, all these uncontrollable circumstances that are kind of like taken away from, yeah. like you said, just our momentum. So um, I last agree. year they, they won it to Paul. They beat Seton Hall on the road. They beat Seton Hall again in the Big East tournament. They played Marquette down to the wire and, mm-hmm. and then they won a game in the NIT and then, you know, lost to Northern Iowa on a one possession game to end their season. They were just coming off such a high. Yeah. It was such a shitty year, you know, where they yeah. like, you know, they had pauses, loot losses, injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So much just like turmoil. Right. And then they started this year off so well. I just like, they just deserve to have it like uninterrupted. I mm-hmm. think if there's any, if there's any team that deserves it, you know? Yeah. Especially for Tatum, you know, like Tatum. 100%. And, and I, I think, um, yeah, I feel like she deserves to have a normal year. For some, sure. As, as close to normal as yeah. can be. Her year. and Rachel, like give Rachel an injury free season and give Tatum just uh-huh. like, just let her be out there. Yeah. Cause that was yeah. the one I think that ate at her last year. Like, yeah. When she had to sit out the first couple of games and they uh-huh. lost and then, yeah. you know, there's all these pauses. And she's like, I don't want this to be my senior year. Like, what the hell is this? You know? Right. So, right. yeah, I hope she – I hope they play tomorrow and I hope they keep going because I, I, I want them to have a better experience. That's that's the main thing right now. So, yeah, yeah, I don't even want to jinx it. So, hopefully they tip off tomorrow at Xavier. Chev, I appreciate you. Um, it's always Thanks fun for having me. Talking hoops with you. I know the fans love it too. Um, so yeah, thanks everybody for your questions and for your, um, comments, topics. Uh, we will talk to you again after, well, I guess maybe, maybe we'll record something Sunday night, but definitely for sure after Villanova. So hope everybody has a good week. Happy new year to everybody. Stay safe. Um, shoveling and driving and all this snow that's coming down. So we'll talk to you soon.